The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheel buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning, Southern Arizona and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here in beautiful Tucson, Arizona. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me, my favorite co-host, or one, I should say my favorite, one of my buddies, uh, Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. He runs, he's going to co-host this morning, and man, we've got a, I, I've got some stuff that I need to go over because I think that the people uh, need to uh, pay attention to. So if you don't have a pencil and paper, you may want to grab one because this information that I'm going to give you can probably save you a whole bunch. And once again, it's not from the BS section. It's from the real section. It can happen to you. And uh, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jerry. Uh well, we can also uh, podcast or Spotify. The I think a little later. I think it takes a an, a couple hours or a little bit to get on. At any rate, um, so it's it's Saturday. Remember, I'm on the radio, so that means super safe Saturday. I know I say it all the time, but remember it. It's move over, slow down, watch for pedestrians, watch for bicyclists, give a little courtesy to your fellow driver, even though you may not want to. It's always a good thing. If you're working on your car, remember the jack stands. <laughs> I know. Remember the jack stands, safety glasses, and um, disconnect your batteries. Hood props. Don't forget your hood props. Those nasty when that hood falls on your head or in your back. Trust me. Been there, done that. Got that T-shirt with the hole ripped in it from the from the hood. So um, man, that'll leave a that's going to leave a bruise. It's not going. You're not going to get the wife's car done. So so don't do that. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. Don't check your uh, car with the motor running if you got If you're if you're using a stethoscope and you decide you're going in there with a the stethoscope and you got to find that bearing making a noise, uh, make sure that you pay attention to where you stick the end of the stethoscope, because if you stick it where the fan belt can get it, it trust me, when it pulls it off your head, it hurts. <laughs> Because you have those two little prongs sticking in your ears and try to rip your head apart. Uh, not you, that you I've ever that, done that. Not that you ever done. That's a really good point. You know, I, I never, I don't ever say that. Um, you know, um, loose clothing when you're working on a running vehicle, 
So if you're out there in long your hair. suit and tie, long hair, if you're out there in your suit and tie and your tie is dangling down, it's going to be a oh nuisance. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I've seen that. I know Jerry's seen it. So loose clothing, oh, yeah. you know, uh, long hair, stuff, draping necklaces. Yeah, you know, are not the things to have. Even if you're just working on, uh, working on your brakes, you know, loose clothing, necklaces get caught on the brake caliper, and you're stuck trying to get unhooked on the brakes. So as you lean over it, so uh, I forget about the other that one is there. loose. Is loose sleeves on long sleeve shirts? If you don't have them buttoned down at the bottom, you've got a little pant, little piece of material out there on both hands, both arms. That is just waving in the breeze. You need to secure that. You know, and if it's if it's really bad, then put a piece of duct tape around the darn thing. Don't rubber use bands. anything down. Rubber bands, whatever you want to use. Don't uh, mess around that stuff with a rotating engine with loose sleeves, or especially long hair. Uh, back when long hair was the fad and everybody had long hair, we used to make the technicians wear um, uh, head scarves, headbands, you know, uh, caps, shower caps and stuff like that to keep their hair out of this because when the engine picks it up, it don't care what it's attached to. It's going to try to pull it out. So there's a lot of stuff that you just can't do willy-nilly and get out there without getting hurt. And these things are some of the most simple things that you can do to protect yourself while you're working. Use face, use safety glasses, people. For goodness sakes, please use safety glasses. Uh, I prefer the big shield, like a, looks almost like a welding shield or a grinder shield that you put on your head. And if you're working on something that can possibly eat you alive, then that's what the type of clothing you want to wear. Um, if you spill uh, brake fluid on you or anything like that, you want to use clear water. Just flush it and flush it and flush it and flush it. If you spill brake fluid on your fender, it will take the paint off of your fender. So while you're checking that master cylinder, you fill it up, and then all of a sudden, or the can turns sideways that you're using and dumps out on the fenders, first thing you do is get the water hose on that son of a gun and get that brake fluid off of there. It will bubble the paint. Okay? Right off. If you right got brake fluid, water is the neutralizer. Yeah, I mean, buddy, you lay the water to it. You can always clean the water off the floor later on, but you've got to get that brake fluid off that car, or you will be seeing Spectre Minor Road auto collision to have the paint put back on that blistered fender. And it's not fun because it blisters, and you have to get it all off before you can even get paint to stick to it. So it's it's quite expensive, quite expensive mistake. Uh, when you have, you're working on your car and you're doing the brakes and you have your little can of brake fluid that you went down to Merle's and picked up and that's the one you're using and you set it on the fender and they say, okay, now I got to check it. Keep in mind that little can still sitting on the fender. You go in the car, you start the car to make sure that your brakes are working properly now and you start the car and it shakes. It vibrates, the can turns over, runs out on your fender. That's how this stuff happens. Set it in the floor, a back away. If you kick it over when you're walking around the car, you can clean it off the off the concrete. But 
and it's not going to be quite as damaging as it is if you dump it on your car. And if it goes on the inside, it goes down the paint on the inside of the firewalls, the fender wheels, and all of this, and uh, it just blisters and burns it. So, but just remember, water is what you want to use in it. Use water to neutralize it. Done it, been there, flushed it. And the other thing is when you're pouring additives into your fuel tank on your car, some of that stuff is so strong, you'll pour it in the car and you think, wow, this is kind of kind of heavy duty. Yeah. And then it goes out down the side of your fender well on your pickup or your car and you think, oh, well, I've got to, I've got to, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, yeah, I, I know I got to use some, get it off of there. And, and then you leave it, forget it. And then you go back the next morning and you've got a streak running down the side of the bed of your truck where that stuff is overflowed coming out of the filter neck and you've got a mess. It won't come off. So, uh, hello body shop. Here you go again. And on some of that water will not cut the additives. It will not cut the additives. My recommendation is don't spill it or wait till you get home where you've got plenty of rags and stuff. The second you see it, you get it off of that and keep from blistering that paint on that side of that truck bed. So that's my little, that's my little tip for the day on that. Um, you got anything you want to add to that, Jim? Oh, last thing is if you're, if you're operating a drill, same thing. Keep your clothes, your your loose clothes away, because a, a drill will oh, suck oh. them right in and suck your arm into the drill bit, and it'll cut it really bad. Or your hair, your if you're using a drill or any 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 rotating you know, like saws or anything like that. When you're if you're working on if you're drilling something on your car, and I was just going to add on the brake fluid, it does make a great paint remover. So if you are out of paint remover, put whatever you want <laughs> in brake fluid in it. It works like a top. So on the plus side, <laughs> if you don't have if you need some paint remover, it works really really good. So. <laughs> Um, fairly inexpensive. Oh yeah, but, uh, yeah. Don't don't spill it. It it's it's amazingly how caustic it really is. I I never knew how bad it was until I spilled some and and it did exactly what you said, Jerry. It bubbled it up. It turned the paint really really soft. I mean, it's it just you know like paint remover just made it really soft. And then as soon as it dries, it just flakes off. And the paint's gone. And that's it's there's nothing you can do about it. Go all the way to the metal. Through through thinner through primers, you know the top coat, the primer coat, any other uh, anti rust coat, all the way to the metal. And I'm like, man, and that was well many years ago. So I try not to do that. Oh anymore. yeah. Well, it, it, uh, most of it is uh, that happens is because of carelessness. Okay, one if you've got to refill a master cylinder on a car with brake fluid. A uh, little, little, little technical data here now, and it, uh, trust me, I got this from the guys that made that, that makes brake fluid, and I got it at a SEMA show in Las Vegas, talking to the guy for over two hours, sitting on the uh, chair because that was the most comfortable place we could find in that big circus up there, and he said that when you pour new brake fluid 
in the top of a master cylinder to top it off, to bring a level up, okay? Let's say you got a light on and it's, it shows the master cylinder and you go out, you pull the master cylinder lid off and you fill it up because it says, you know, it's low. So you're going to fill it up and say, okay, this is good. All right, there's a couple of little um, oversights right here. One, he said, when you pour the brand new brake fluid in the old brake fluid, within a matter of minutes, the new brake fluid that you poured in there, and not a whole bunch of minutes either, the new brake fluid is more contaminated than the old brake fluid that was in there. So you're pouring this new stuff in, and it starts to try to clean up the old brake fluid that's in there, which made sense. And when you pull the cap off of one, and it's got a low, uh, the brake master cylinder has a gasket on it. Uh, the gaskets, they get a little bit wrinkled up and, and, and don't seal up properly. Maybe that's where the leak is. The main thing on these brakes, when you've got a low master cylinder, you have a leak. It's like a radiator. If you have low water someplace, there's a leak going down because they're both sealed systems. Find the leak. It could be at a wheel cylinder. It could be at a fractured uh, brake line going down the wheels. Um, it could be a slave cylinder on the rear on drum brakes, or it could be a, uh, a leak on the calipers. But there is a leak. You need to find that leak. And another thing, when you go down and you're purchasing uh, brake fluid from Merle's, and you said, oh, wow, wow, or any other place, they've got a special sale for a gallon of brake fluid. People, <laughs> according to the guy that makes the brake fluid, when you open the lid on that gallon, that thing starts to contaminate immediately from the outside air. It starts to try to clean up everything. Here we go. When you do that gallon of brake fluid and you use about a half a pint, you say, I'm going to set it over here. I'm going to put the lid back on it and set it over here on the shelf, and then I'll have it next time because I got such a good deal on that. The next time you get ready to use that brake fluid, that brake fluid is contaminated. So you're flushing a system that's contaminated with brake fluid that's contaminated, and the end result is you still got contaminated brake fluid in your vehicle. Now, you, 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 that's from the guy that makes the stuff. And... Um, so save yourself a lot of money and buy the little pint, just the amount that you need to do the system, and then you'll be happier with a lot better results and a lot cleaner fluid inside the system. When you flush a brake fluid out of a system, you, we use a power brake flusher. Uh, we used to do it the old-fashioned way. One guy sits in there and one guy gets under the car and he opens the valve the little bleeder uh, screw and it squirts out into a line that goes into a jar to recover it so that you don't squirt it out all over the floor and all over you and all and and it's a hazardous waste material so that's the way we used to do it now we put catchers on all four valves and we put pressure tester on top of the master cylinder pressure uh activator 
and we blow all that stuff out until the brake fluid out of the back end and each one of the wheels come out clear, like brake fluid looks like it's supposed to look, instead of the dirt and the uh, dark black color and all the sludge and stuff. when you're getting ready to flush that, it's recommended that you actually you take the fluid out, suck the fluid out of the master cylinder with a with a suction tube. And they've got master cylinders. Some of them you can go all the way to the bottom. Some of them you can only go into a little plate they got inside. And you just do the best you can. But when you're cleaning the inside of the master cylinder, be careful when you're wiping the sludge, and there is sludge in the bottom of the master cylinder, And but there's two little valves in the bottom that allow this stuff to go out to the wheel cylinders and to the distribution block. That you want to wipe away from. In other words, don't rub the stuff from the corners and just rake it across the top of that because what you're going to do is put all that sludge inside the lines then. You're going to put it right in a valve that supplies the lines and you're not going to like the results. So when you're cleaning it out, if you're in a master cylinder, you can you can take your finger in the old master cylinders and go right down to the bottom of it. and But go to a corner and if you want to see how much sludge is in there, just break your finger across it and pull it out and look at your finger. You'll be surprised at what you see. Just remember, that doesn't belong going down into those tubes. The master cylinder is, the brake fluid is doing its job. It's circulating that stuff out of the brake system and retaining it in the bottom of the master cylinder. That's where it accrues. That's the reason you change your brake fluid. I recommended changing it once a year, depending on how many miles you drive. Uh, the manufacturer says you can do it at two-year intervals, but that was uh, that wasn't even even suggested until a few years ago. And they finally said, "Oh, and by the way, if you change your brake fluid, you probably won't have to spend fourteen hundred dollars on replacing a complete brake system because a contaminated fluid has done eat up every seal that even thought about being in a brake system." So, take that. You don't have to to believe me. You can always Google it. You can always come up with it. But I'm telling you, I got my information from the guy that makes a brake fluid. At a SEMA show, it cost me a chunk of change to go to, and the information is is right on the money. You there is test strips you can use on brake fluid, like they are in radiators. That'll tell you the condition of your brake fluid. Uh, the biggest brake jobs on the planet have come from one ignoring the signals from the sensors on the brakes and you allow your uh, brake pads to go to metal on metal and it eats the rotors up. That's when the rotors are no longer $29. They're expensive. Brake drums are up to $350 for the old brake drums, the old three-inch brake drums. Rotors, calipers, all that stuff is massively expensive now. The only way to protect those is by paying attention. When you uh, go in for an oil service, which you take it to a qualified shop like a uh, automotive specialist or Parker or Simmons, have them when they do the well, they'll do it anyway. When you do a break uh, oil service, 
They'll change your oil, the filter, but they will inspect the vehicle for you. And they will check the, the brake shoes. The brake shoes, they'll give you a measurement on what your brake pads are and what the, what it's allowed to be. And it'll keep you up on what you're supposed to do. Brake fluid needs to be changed depending on your driving, either once a year or once every two years. If you'll put that on your, uh, New Year's resolution, change your brake fluid. Oh, I haven't changed it in 10 years. It, it's fine. I had a technician tell me, one, or a mechanic tell me one time. He says, uh, we were doing a car inspection down at Pima College for Automotive Service Association. And he come up, and I, I was on the line that had to check the brake fluid, so I checked the brake fluid, and I wrote it up as need brake fluid changed immediately. And he says, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I said, really? And he said, it doesn't have, it doesn't, it, it doesn't have sludge in it. And I said, you got a clean finger? He said, yeah. I said, come here a minute. I want to show you something. Pulled the top off that master cylinder. I said, now take your clean finger and go in there and rake across the side of the bottom of the master cylinder because I don't want you pushing that sludge inside the valves. And he did. He brought it out. He had about a quarter of an inch of sludge hanging on the end of his finger. And he says, as long as I've been working on cars, and I remember he told me 48 years, I have never thought of this. You know, brake fluid should be lifetime. No, it's not lifetime, buddy. And uh, so that was a little education for him. The other problem that people have is a we you know synthetic brake fluid is a wonderful thing it is as long as you're using a virgin brake system which means there has never been any brake fluid poured in that system then you can use a lot of your collectors or will do brakes and stuff, but everything is brand new. Everything. There's nothing in them. They're brand new brake fluid, brand new, I mean, brand new master cylinders, lines, distribution blocks, everything is brand new. Then you can use synthetic brake fluid. If you decide, oh, I'm just going to bleed it all out. I'm going to open the lines and I'm going to flush all the uh, brake fluid out. Then I'm going to refill it with uh, synthetic. I want to wish you all the luck in the world because I know what you're going to have to go through. Because as soon as you pour the synthetic in on top of the other brake fluid that's in there, you're going to have jelly. You're going to have acid. And it's going to be a mess. So you can take my word for it and save yourself a lot of money. Or you can do it the hard way. But uh, they always say that on-the-job training is the most expensive. <laughs> But you will learn, and you will take it off your bucket list. I don't think I want to do this again. So just be careful with what you got there. All right, little little tire update. Remember those date, those DOT numbers we keep talking about? Look at your DOT number. I looked at the DOT number on my Honda Odyssey the other day, and it said 51 17, I think it was, 51, no, 5118, okay? Now, 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, we're into five years on that thing. And I noticed the ride quality of the tire 
it seemed like I was driving something that didn't have, uh, you know, your your ride quality is based on your shocks, your tires, and your spring system on it. However, it's hung, and it can it 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 dictates ride quality. Well, this thing was like driving down the road with concrete tires for sidewalls. And they were Michelin tires. They were a good tire. They still had some tread on them. Looked like they had probably 5,000 miles left on them. And so I took them in back down to a discount tire and talked to, to Stacy down there. And uh, he said, why are you changing these tires? And I said, because of the date on the side of the wall and the ride quality. I had a Michelin on a truck one time, and it did the same thing. It had plenty of rubber left on the road, but the ride quality was so bad you couldn't hardly drive down the road. And sure enough, he put me a set of tires on it. I knew I had a brand-new set of tires on it before I got out of their parking lot. That's how much difference it made in the ride quality on that Odyssey. They were 19-inch tires, so... It bit me in the billfold when I put them on. However, I got my ride quality that I was looking for in this vehicle. Date, D-O-T, on that number, when you get it, it don't mean that the tire is fell off. These, none of my tires were flat, like the ones on the horse trailer. And But I changed them. Now I feel safe when I drive down the road because I, I'm not waiting for the rubber to come off the tires so peace of mind is very important to me because i don't want to change a tire on the side of the road look at your date code there will be four digits on it it's a it's a dot date code on it and it has four numbers the first two numbers is the week of the year the second two is the year end in other words it's 2018, and these tires, they'll, they say, yeah, they'll, they'll go about six years. Well, let's push in the envelope, and if you want to push that envelope, that's fine. Push it while you're in town at about 30 mile an hour uh, and going from stop sign to stop sign because there are plenty of places to pull off the road and start looking to find out if you have a, a spare and if it has air in it. And it's safer to change a tire than it is going down a freeway at 75 miles an hour and the rubber starts coming off of those tires. Because that is one noisy son of a gun. It gives you an immediate rough ride. And you're going to be on the side of the road. And if you don't have a spare tire, you have nobody's bothered checking the air pressures. Uh, you, you don't know if you even have the jack and all the star wrenches and stuff, or that you've got that angle wrench that'll bust your knuckles on the pavement. Then, you know, if you don't mind the risk, go ahead. You know, it's free country. But I'm telling you, you need to watch that, you know, find that tire date and look at it before you decide to go from here to Phoenix, here to San Diego, across the country on vacation, make sure that you're safe because that's something that you can control as much as you possibly can. Is it going to protect you from hitting a nail in a road or something that fell off somebody else's vehicle? No. But it will give you a better chance because your tires are going to be in better condition to handle it. Okay? Got anything you want to add to that, Mr. Jimbo? 
Uh, no, you're you got it right on the money there. So that the date code is really critical, and and just looking at tires. I know we say this all the time, but just looking at tires is is only a preliminary. You cannot see what's inside the tire, and if you've ran it a little low, um, and when the tire inside the tire has a completely different look than the outside. It might look okay outside, but inside it looks like you took a knife and cut it, slashed it inside. So there, there's bruises that occur all show up inside the tire, which you can't see unless until you take it off. So right. tire maintenance, tire inspections, really critical. Um, if you're driving a, uh, one of the uh, new car that doesn't have a tire, has a pump, or doesn't have a tire at all, doesn't have a spare at all, um, tire inspection becomes even more critical because you don't even have an option to, you know, put change your tire. You're you're not waiting for me because, well, when that thing shreds and as you get off the roadway, there's no amount of air pump or fix-a-flat you can use. So um, when you're, while you're trying to, while you're sitting there thinking about it, you're thinking, oh, I should, guess I should have changed the tire out before I did it. And, and folks, I can tell you I've seen cars with brand-new brand cars with new tires fail, roll them a hundred miles and they go flat. So it's you never know when it's going to happen. Why do they go flat at a hundred miles? You'd think a brand new car wouldn't have you know flat tires. Maybe you ran over something. Maybe there. Maybe you hit something. Uh, maybe it was just a junky tire. I don't know. But it get out and look at them, and and it goes along. It really goes a long ways to you know, saving your sanity because if you're stuck between here and Phoenix. Um, out there by uh, before Casa Grande, or well, I guess you can pull off at the little at the little uh, Dairy Queen out there, or someplace out there on the side of the road. You're not going to be happy. Trust me. I don't care if it's if it's now when it's 35 degrees outside. You're not going to be happy. I don't, if it's July, and it's 115. You're not going to be happy. It could be 75. You're not going to be sure. happy. So it's it's really critical to check this stuff. And I mean, you can do what you can do. If you're unsure, take it to a tire professional. Let them look at them. They'll tell sure. you. Most most tire guys right. are pretty are pretty good about uh, look you know telling you they they I have seen as much as Jerry and I have seen stuff cars messed up stupid repairs stuff that breaks and and you know we're scratching our head going well why does that happen tire real real tire men have seen a lot of a lot of tire damage a lot of tire wear they can oh, yeah. they know when something's going to go bad so if you don't know That's seek right. out an expert so. Yeah, pick out your favorite tire shop and see what they say. See what um, they say, yeah. All right. Now, uh, <coughs> I heard from um, Brian, and that diesel particulate, that uh, the system for the diesel uh, exhaust fluids, Brian said that there is a massive amount of problems that he's run across with this. He says it starts, the minors are about $1,000 fix, the, a minor problem with this system. He says up to 5000 And he says, I would love to see more 1000s and then it wouldn't take so long to, you know, tie up his shop. However, the GM has all the parts in stock, in stock at their dealership for this. So evidently, if they have all the parts involved in this correction, there must be a reason why they stock so many of them. 
He said, the, and I said, okay, so what problems are you seeing? He said, we're seeing seeding, leaking, we're, uh, and the biggest problem is idling. The guy sat there and he idled these trucks. These big diesels are designed to work. They're not a grocery getter. They're designed to work. I have said that ever since I've been on the radio. Lack of fuel filter change. He said, I would have to blame that for everything. He said, lack of fuel filter change. He said, tell them again. Preventive maintenance and maintenance on a diesel. If you don't do it, it's non-forgiving. It will cost you a fortune. And that was from Brian Fuller, Mr. Test First, Don't Guess. And that's recent as yesterday when I talked to him. And he said, people, diesels have to be serviced. You've got to service a diesel. They need to work. If you're not working them, then you've got to make sure that you stay up on the service on a regular basis. Uh, diesel fuel is like any other fuel. Put an additive in it. Run it through. Merle's has got additives for diesels. Uh, the one that I like is the 245K by, uh, that'll come to me in a second. Had a BG age problem BG. here. BG, BG chemical, yeah. And that is the best on the market for diesel that I've found. Uh, but there are some good stuff from Pentex. Uh, at Merle's has a diesel condition. Any kind of diesel condition conditioner is better than nothing. Don't overdo it, but just follow the bottle and make sure it gets done and keep that thing running as clean as you possibly can. Because when a diesel goes down, as Jim will probably tell you, turbos have got all sorts of shut in them. Uh, they're all sorts of garbage in them from lack of use. They need to get up to operating temperature. They need to work hard. The best my diesel ever run on my 2006 is when my son borrowed it to tow a big monster boat up to Roosevelt. When I got it back, I'll swear, I thought they had tuned up the motor. I didn't realize that me running around town, towing a horse trailer every now and then, I never thought that it would be that bad. It run that well, that good when it come back. It's just like having a fresh tune-up on a car with worn-out spark plugs. And it was great. So just remember, they're not grocery getters. They're designed to work. If they're not going to work them, you may want to consider your purchase. All right. You got anything you want to add to that, Jim? Oh, how long do you want me to go, Jerry? Because diesel and, <laughs> and, and, and death. Okay, so I'm, I'm just going to try and hit this as quick as I can because I, there's if there is a if there is a subject that hits home with me, it's death and diesel. So you're driving, you got the and and death diesel exhaust fluid, death SCR whatever. SCR you know, is the 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 system, but death is the fluid. Um, as on every diesel today, light duty truck diesels, big truck diesels, everything. So, death is is highly highly caustic. I mean, if you dump some on concrete, it turns concrete white and starts to eat it up. Okay, it is not. It is like pure acid. It is not something to to play with. That being said, imagine the system you're going to put it in. Everything is stainless stainless steel or plastic. 
So problems with depth systems are they corrode. Oh, my gosh, they corrode like nobody's business. They absorb moisture. The little nozzles that that's, that's inject the depth into the into the catalyst into the you know basically a catalytic converter but it's a it's a a, a particulate can um, they corrode they get they get full of their their own junk they won't they won't work and when you get a truck like a dodge dodge has this really really cool system and what it does is it says hi your system isn't working you you have 40 miles and then it shuts down and you know what? In 40 miles, you aren't going anywhere. It actually, it actually stops the truck. You will not move. So now you have to figure out how to get it towed, clear the code. Oh, by the way, if you clear the code, it gives you another 12 miles. Yay! <laughs> when Jerry says they're expensive to fix, oh, buddy, <laughs> hang on. Hang on. The, the little, the little, the little injector's fifteen hundred dollars. The lines are seven hundred dollars. There's a module on a lot of them. The little, the little heater pump. Depending on what you have, some of them have little modules that leak and they fill all the wires and all the connections full of death and just corrodes them to death. So a lot of them have the little heater pump that go inside the tank. Oh yay! That's six hundred dollars. Oh, and you get to tear it. You can take it all down underneath the truck. That's a fun, fun battle. Oh, and by the way, so when we talk about oil changes on a diesel, so the dirty oil, I know this sounds crazy, the dirty oil gets burned, just like clean oil. It gets burned. It goes through your system. Wow, it comes through the exhaust like it always does. It either goes out the crankcase filter. Oh, wait, the crankcase filter gets plugged up. You want to talk about there's another hundred hundred and sixty dollars for the crankcase filter on a Cummins, okay? If you don't change it at almost at every oil change or every other oil change, your motor gets plugged up with sludge. If you if you think it isn't expensive, wait till you have to do that repair at a diesel motor. You know, a diesel motor, a little Cummins six point seven motor is fifteen thousand dollars to start. Fifteen thousand bucks. A Duramax, probably similar. I don't know. I don't know what a Ford motor is. I have it a price for it. It is. It, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. same crazy, price range. Crazy, crazy expensive. So, so you don't change your oil. The 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 bad oil goes through, gets burned up, and gets through your exhaust. Makes it all the way through the turbo. Makes it down to the exhaust. And what does it do? It just coats your particulate can with with soot. And crud. Oh wait, now you can plug that up. Oh wait, what's the particular can cost? Twenty two hundred dollars on a little truck. Six thousand on a on a medium. Twelve thousand on a big truck. If I can't explain, I cannot emphasize, I cannot beg and plead you. This stuff is critical. And when we when I say maintain change your oil, that's the cheapest thing you can ever do. Want to want to run synthetic? A little more expensive, maybe lasts a little longer. Great. It works good. Synthetic actually works a little bit better, we found, in diesel, just because of the way the synthetic is. You get a little more life out of it. It's not quite so sooty. Um, you can run additives. I run fuel conditioner. I run um, on my uh, trucks I have that don't run synthetic because it's kind of problematic to run them on, on big trucks sometimes. Um, but on my on my mediums, I run synthetic. If you're running oil conditioner, oil additive on a, on a, on your motors, do so. Change your 
change your crankcase filters, change your oil filters, do that work, and and hopefully you'll have less of a problem because you're running a diesel today, you're going to get it. Uh, and you're going to see it. And when you see, when you get that little light that says, oh, we'll shut down in 50 miles, it get ready because it's going to stop. And there's nothing you're going to do about it. You're stuck. If, you, if you're driving down the freeway and it says it's going to stop in 50 miles, better find a good place cause, to, get a, to take a nap because it will not restart. It, that thing will shut off and die. And I'm like, wow, that's a real ingenious program. Sorry, that's what we said is going to happen. You didn't do it right. This is what, so we're going to show you how in charge we are. Our, your vehicle is more in control of, of it than you are because it can tell you it's going to turn off. And when it does, it turns off, and there ain't nothing you can do. So just be aware of that. There are tricks. There are gimmicks. There are things that you can get around it. But be aware that that, that little, those, those little caveats come on, and you're, going, you're looking at the thing going, oh, great, what do I do now? Yeah, get ready. Because it's going to be expensive. That's what you're going to get ready for. Anyways, that's that's. <laughs> sorry, Darian, go off on a tangent on that. But I, I've been there, done that, got that T-shirt, sweater, and perfect coat. information. <laughs> that is perfect information. One, you've been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. You're passing real life information out to the public. You know, it's almost like when I bought my. 218 diesel. I didn't want a diesel 218. I don't pull 27,000 pounds anymore. I wanted a gas burner. I can get. I could have got a half-ton truck to pull what I tow now. But yes, I have this big monster diesel, and yes, I am. I'm really considering trading it and getting a gas burner because of the amount. I mean, in my owner's manual, it says you'll probably replace your uh, def system. Uh, within uh, the first 100,000 miles. So I got a 100,000-mile warranty on it and paid extra for that. What what I actually did was pay for a DEF system up front. About, I think I paid $3,400 for the extended warranty on a diesel. And that made me mad. But, um, you know, yeah, they're, they're just not like the old ones used to be. You know, you... Have a different fuel delivery system on them, um, but additives. Oh gosh, running runny additives change your fuel filters once a year on those bad boys. And, uh, and, and you, idling, you idling, 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 yeah, idling. Yes, yes. You made you made yep. a great point. Idling. So when the the in a in the diesel death system, it has to regen. So that's cleaning out the particulate can. That means it gets it really hot and burns it all out, right? Well, if you just let it idle, it, get, it doesn't get enough time to do the regen. So it'll maybe do one, uh, an active one in the parking lot. It'll sit there and be running. And if you shut it off halfway through, oh, well, you've really thrown it into a loop. But you're absolutely right, Jerry. Under load, working, the system will come up to temperature. It'll actually do a regen while driving. So you don't notice it, it'll and it will actually it gives it a long stretch to do the clean out of the of the particulate can, which which basically cooks all the impurities out of it, and they all they kind of pass flow out or pass through because when your particulate can gets full, it's like a plugged exhaust, just like a bad catalytic converter, and we all know what happens with a bad catalytic converter or plugged exhaust, the engine shuts off because the exhaust can't get out. 
So you, you nailed it right on the head there. Idling is really hard on them. You need to get them out and stretch them out once in a while. Running back and forth, like you say, in town, is, you know, unless you plan on doing manual oh. regions all the time, uh, it's, it's, it, it takes its toll on, on it's just on the exhaust system. So, and that's, that is very, very true. And unless you ran one, you don't know it. So that's right. So beware, uh, make sure that, uh, when you go down to get your next tow vehicle, make sure you got something big enough to work it. If you get a diesel, uh, they have a lot of gas burners out there that have plenty of torque, plenty of horsepower. They'll get the job done. And, but even they, even those have to be serviced also. You cannot, you can't cheat on the preventive maintenance on these vehicles and the regular maintenance. You cannot do it and get away with it. You may think you're getting away with it. You know, it's like smoking cigarettes. You may think you're getting away with it till you get to be about 75, 80 or something like that or earlier. And then all of a sudden you've got stuff that you can't even identify. So uh, just make sure that the vehicle that you're getting is for the job that you plan on doing and you plan on doing for a while. If you know that you're going to be uh, pulling a 24-foot travel trailer and I'm going to get uh, a 150 or a half-ton truck to do it with and it's going to be a gas burner, okay, fine. Uh, are you going to be having pulling that same trailer in two years? Or are you going to love it so much out camping that you're going to up the size to about uh, 33 foot or something like that? Now we got a different load range that we're going to be doing, and that little gas burner is going to work to death, and it's going to wear out premature. Because when you're towing a vehicle, you put it in your head, okay, I'm towing, and I'm only going 100 miles. But actually, for the engine wear, depending on the load that you're carrying, it's equivalent to twice that mileage. And if you'll just say, okay, the trip's going to be 400 miles and I'm towing, no, it's going to be equivalent to 800 miles. So is my vehicle ready for 800-mile trip? And that's the way I look at these things and always have. From gas burners, 454 Chevrolet motors to diesels and early, uh, two, uh, what is that, two, 93, 94, something like that, I had a diesel. And I got a lot of miles out of it, but I had to, I, I did everything. I did everything you can think of to these diesels. I run the best synthetic oils in there. I run the best cleaner through it. I run everything, and I got a lot of miles out of it. But I also was working it once a week, towing a monster trailer, and it was a dually, and it would handle the trailer, but it was still overloaded. But as a result, it worked the engine. I kept it running clean. I didn't have any turbo problems or anything like that. So it worked. So if you're going to buy diesel, people, it's not a grocery getter. I know Mercedes has had diesels out there forever and ever in the cars, and they're grocery getters. And the ones that have the best success with them is the ones that actually get out on the road and run them. And, you know, my dad used to say, well, every now and then you've got to take it out on the road, just blow it out. Well, you can't blow out a, a diesel if you leave it in overdrive, and all of this because by the time you get the RPM up to about 3,200 or 3,300, which is pretty much max on a diesel, you're running a, well over a, a hundred on the older vehicles. The newer vehicles have it cut off around 105. 
But you can't do that on the freeway safely. But you can go down to second gear, bring the RPMs up and run it about 20 miles and do the job. And people say, oh, but, but it sounds so loud. Yeah, it's because you're actually working the motor. It'll be fine as long as you don't go past the red lines on them and you don't go, uh, you know, like the 20 miles. But it starts heating up, then slip it up into another gear and let it run. Sometimes heat in a motor is actually good. And, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll burn everything clean. But you, you, when you do this, you need to know what you're doing and you need to think about it while you're doing it. You know, don't take a diesel out. These things got 400 horsepower and they got 800 foot pounds of torque. You hit the accelerator, you can be running a hundred mile an hour in a heartbeat. Don't do that. Get down into second gear, run it up to about 22, 2500 RPM and run it that way. Yeah, you're going to be the guy on the side, on the road that's running down the freeway at 55, 60 mile an hour trying to keep the, the tachometer down. Because if you overrun the tack with a turbo, you're going to overheat the turbo. Now your uh, EGTs start going up on the turbo, and then you take a chance on that thing melting down. So you back it down. So it's it's not as simple as we're making it sound, but it's very necessary to keep the diesels running. And I, I don't know, you know, uh, there a lady that had a 2012 Ford with a big diesel in it. And she bought it, and she kept taking it back to Ford, and she was having a runnability problem with it. And she said, it's just not running right. Ford checked it out. Everything on the vehicle is correct. Uh, they noticed that the, I guess, the cycles to burn the uh, exhaust out wasn't working like it's supposed to. And they said, you need to take this thing out, and you need to, you need to run it. We can't do anything more to it. Don't even bring it back to us. And that was in Tucson. And so my, she worked with my wife, and my wife says, can you take a look at this diesel? I said, yeah. So, and she brought it in. She said, what do you think? And I said, I think they were absolutely correct. Well, she gets excited about it because this is a putt-putt diesel. Diesels are not putt-putt diesels. And I took it out, and I took it out in second gear, and we went for a ride. And that lady sat there white knuckle, scared to death. And people, I was only running 45 mile an hour, but I was in second gear on a, a six-speed transmission. And it sounded like, she, she said, oh, I just can't stand this. I was running 2,800 RPM. Run that thing down and brought it back. And I said, this is what Ford is talking about, running it. You can pull it down in gear you're okay, just pull it down, set it at 2,800 mile an hour, uh, 2,800 RPM, and then just drive it on the road. Drive it for 15, 20 miles like that. It won't hurt it. And she says, well, I'm not going to do that. This lady traded that truck two days later because she did not want to clean it out. She would not follow the instructions. She traded a, a 2012 that had 20... Less than 20,000 miles on it. And she pulls horse starters. She got her Toyota, Toyota gas burner. And then it, uh, she wasn't too impressed with that because it didn't have as much power as the diesel. Okay. So, but that's on her. 
You can. That's what I'm saying. You have the right to do anything you want to do, but if you get a diesel, you need to do some research on them. You need to find out what you need to do. You need to know that they're a working vehicle. Even the Mercedes had a problem with theirs, but they had a different system in the early models, and then they've had problem with it, you know, for the coking up and all of that stuff. That's normal on a diesel, especially if you don't use it. But if you have a Mercedes and you're running out on the freeway and you want to blow it out, drop a gear. Don't run it up to 100 miles an hour. It's against the law. It's dangerous. Drop a gear, bring it up, keep your RPM within range, well below the red line, and let it run. You know, if you need to go out and find you a, a freeway that doesn't have heavy traffic, do it. And take a ride out through the country. Low gear, second gear, I don't care. Just get the RPMs up so that it'll clean that thing out and run the additives in these diesels. Use the best oil. Keep it changed on a regular basis because diesels do not like dirty oil, as Jim will tell you. And you should be good to go. All right, so now I have um, have another little issue that happened and I want to bring to the, it's under the, it's a public service type thing that I'm going to bring up to you in the next hour. And it is a scam that's going around that's absolutely almost believable. And I'll get into that and I'll give you phone numbers. I will tell you exactly what happened to me yesterday from an email that I got from a popular uh, LifeLock system. LifeLock is what you put on your accounts to make sure that people can't steal your identity and all of this, to give you a quickie on it. And it's called LifeLock Norton. And I was actually scammed using a LifeLock Norton email, or they attempted to scam me. But it took an hour and 15 minutes for me to find out where all the red flags was in order to stop the scam. And that's after not giving them pertinent information. But I'll get into that. I want, I want to bring it to you because $3 billion were scammed out of people last year. And that's a lot of money. And uh, it's hard with as good as they are. And when I tell you what happened to me, you will understand just how good they really are. So, but we'll bring that into the next hour. I don't have time right now, and I want to give it, I want to put it out there and let it sink in because this is not only for seniors. This is for anybody that has assets that they want to protect. They, they go to the right place. They say, I, I need LifeLock, Norton. That's one of the better ones. Uh, but when you find out more in the next hour on this, uh, it will make you go, huh. And it's not that they're bad. Trust me. I've had, I've had them for about seven years. I've had very good luck with them. But things change, and I will tell you how the change come about and what happened in a series. But I'll also put phone numbers out there so that if you get one in and you'll know uh, where they're coming from. I actually recognized one of the phone numbers that come in because it, I was scammed on a Messenger Plus, and I remember the phone number. So, you know, it's it's pretty interesting. But anyway, we're getting that to next hour. But on the diesels, chain service diesels, 
service your cars. Um, you know, my shop, when I call them and say, what do you want me to say on the radio Saturday morning? Any, any heads up or anything? Ken will tell you right up front, tell the people to make sure they stay up on their maintenance on these cars. If you don't, there's parts that start wearing out premature, and then you'll say, okay, so I was due for an oil change at 5000 and I didn't get it to 8000 which you won't admit. And then you get it. But when everybody has computer records on you now, so if you come into Simmons, we'll send you a notification and tell you your oil change based on date is due. And then if we don't hear from you, we'll send you one more. And then it's on you. We assume that you may have changed to another shop or you did it yourself or something like that. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit in the second hour also. Um, now, we covered the tires. I cannot tell you how important, and Jim cannot tell you how important that date code is on the side of that tire. You know, because you don't drive your car that much, oh, well, it'll be fine. People, I've seen tires blow up on trailers sitting out in the middle that haven't even been on, hooked up to a trailer, sit there in the sunlight with a little cover on them, and all of a sudden you hear an explosion. And you go out and start looking to see what part of the house is missing. No, it turned out to be a trailer tire sitting on the front of my dump trailer that blew up, sitting there. So date tires, uh, sidewalls getting hard, uh, ride quality changes, uh, some of the little things that you should be able or may be able to pick up. Now, the thing on a car when you're driving it, some of the uh, changes are so subtle that you don't actually recognize them because you drive the car all the time, you're used to it. Yeah, well, maybe the wind's blowing a little bit. You start making excuses for them. I've said it on the program. I'll say it again. Anytime you have to start making excuses for your car, you get a second opinion. Anytime you start second-guessing your car, oh, the wind was blowing. Oh, I was driving too quick. Uh, I was, anytime you start making excuses for what your car is doing, the car is trying to talk to you, turn the radio off and listen to it. And then if it's doing, making sounds that you don't have, that you're not used to, it's time to get it in. It's not time to ignore it. It's time to get it in. The car is talking to you, just trying to tell you, hey, I need to go in. Because when it does decide to that, okay, I'm going in. That means that you're either going to have to have Frontier Towing come and get you, take you in, <laughs> or you're facing one heck of an expensive repair when you do take it in because the car is no longer able to function as designed because of the problem that it's having. So you can take it in or the car will take you in. Preventive maintenance is a heck of a lot cheaper by 40 to 50% than breakdown maintenance. And that is a number that is in the computers for people driving these things. Uh, Automotive Service Association did a 10-year study based on preventive maintenance and non-preventive maintenance. All right, we're running out of time for the, this hour, Jimbo, and uh, we'll be back right after these messages. And I will bring to you the biggest scam 
that was so doggone close that I almost fell for it, and I was watching for them. So we'll be right back after these messages. 